Hello, I am your host, Samuel Hansen, and you are listening to Strongly Connected Components, episode 22, brought to you by acmescience.com. On this week's episode, I am very proud to have Professor Arthur Benjamin from Harvey Mudd College and better known as the Mathemagician. We discuss the difference between his two careers, the reasons why you should study mathematics, and he even performs some of his mathemagic. Here we go! I'm uh, sitting here uh, quite literally on the floor at MathFest in uh, Pittsburgh with Professor Art Benjamin from uh, Harvey Mudd uh, College and also much more well known as the Mathemagician. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Uh, now, I'm going to just go right in with the Mathemagician things. Mm-hmm. Get, get, that, get that off of, off sure. of the table here. Uh, now, you are quite well known. You've even been on uh, Stephen Colbert. Uh, I, I was the, at, in January. It was great fun. <laughs> I, well, uh, specifically, you are at this point, I mean, you've been on Stephen Colbert, you've been on CNN, the Today Show, you've been on NPR. I, you are very possibly the most well-known mathematician in the United States. Oh, right I now. doubt that. <laughs> well, at least publicly. Uh, well, who else would you think would be more well-known with the shows that you have shown up on at this well, point? Well, I guess I've been on TV a, a, a little bit more. I think Keith Devlin on does uh, National Public Radio. He's the math yeah. guy there. I know Ed Berger has done a lot of great stuff. Oh, okay, so maybe not, yeah. but you are one of the more well-known. Uh, Ron, you know, Ron Graham, Lucy <laughs> Diaconis are uh, idols of mine. You know, um, anyway, but, but, but I, I do try to bring mathematics to the masses. That is one of my... Um, missions in life. I do, as, as someone who, I mean, even amongst that, that very, very uh, prestigious list, your name is definitely up there with them at this point. Uh, do you feel any sort of uh, pressure to live up to those uh, them as you say they are, you know, heroes of yours? You, you know, what's, what's interesting is per- perhaps, um, perhaps why what I do is somewhat popular is that I'm having fun with arithmetic, which is the only math that sort of everyone understands or has been exposed to. And of course, that's not what makes me a professional mathematician. It's, I would say, it's almost like, um, I mean, it's, I mean, that's the most rudimentary mathematics. I do it, I do it quickly, and I show people how they can do it quickly. Um, but that's. I would almost compare, compare that to a, um, uh, like somebody who plays an instrument very well versus somebody who's out there composing music. I mean, there have been great lightning calculators in history who had no creative mathematical talent. Um, so it, as it happens, I do like to do both. I like to compose mathematics as well as perform arithmetic, if not higher level mathematics. Were the were the two things? I mean, the the composing the mathematics and then the doing the uh, very quick mental arithmetic. I, were those at all tied together when you first started to do math? I guess in that because I've always enjoyed arithmetic and doing math in my head and finding shortcuts and oh, just sort of showing off as a kid. 
um, everybody assumed, oh, this guy has mathematical talent. And then that sort of gives you something to live up to, to say, well, I guess I better do well in my math classes. And I did, and I enjoyed them. And, um, uh, but I, 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 didn't, I didn't know that I would be, end up as a professor of mathematics. I think in high school, had you asked me, I had more aspirations of becoming a professional magician. Um, but um, I, I found teaching to be very much like performing, and I got the same kind of satisfaction out well, of doing that. Those two things have been seem to be tied together quite consider at least through modern mathematics. I don't know if it, it's true throughout the history that mathematics and magic, especially recently, have been very closely tied together. With uh, Martin Gardner was another. He was person. The, he. If, I mean, I think if you looked up mathematician in the encyclopedia you ought to get a picture of Martin Gardner. Right. Uh, do, you, do you see the two things as tied together quite closely in your mind? And, and in, how, in what way? I think mathematics and magic have a lot in common. Uh, both of them involve um, solving a problem. Uh, when, when, a, uh, when a magician performs something, your natural reaction is, how did you do that? Uh, I think when, when I see a, a pattern, and with, say, a number pattern, my, my first reaction is, why? How? What, what's going on here? So I think that there is a very natural, um, as well as there's an art to you know, presenting a mathematical proof in, in a way that goes down well with your reader or with your audience is... Like, well, okay, I can do certain moves with my cards or something. How can I turn this into something that will entertain? So, uh, you know, structuring a good mathematics routine is, I think, very similar to structuring a good mathematics paper. I know that when I was a... I got my first experiences teaching when I was a TA as an undergraduate at Carnegie Mellon here in Pittsburgh. Um that I just approached my classes as I would pr pr approach a show. You want to, you need to have inter-audience participation. It's not just you up there lecturing. Uh, you, you have to have some humor, some punchlines. Identify what makes the material exciting for you. I, um, I feel I learned more about teaching through my years in high school and college working as a magician, even even a magician for five-year-olds at their birthday party, than I ever learned in, in graduate school about, about teaching. You are listening to Strongly Connected Components. My guest on this week's episode is Arthur Benjamin, math magician also known as a wonderful professor at Harvey Mudd College. Don't worry, Professor Benjamin will soon be performing some of his math and magic on the show. But before we get to that, I'm going to play a short interview I had with one of the graduate student poster presenters at MathFest 2010. Uh, my name is uh, Dan Shiflett, and I'm working at Bowling Green State University. This is a side project of mine. A oh, side project? So this isn't even your thesis or no, dissertation? No, it's not so, my dissertation. Oh, well, then I'm, then I'm even more interested. Side projects are always the most interesting. 
thing, exactly. I feel. Well, the interest is what makes them side projects. It makes you yeah. say, this is worth more of my time beyond what I have to do. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I definitely agree. So what is your side project here? My side project is about the, the game show Deal or No Deal. Uh, I was watching it one day, well, kind of watching it while I was uh, cooking, and uh, I, the, the offers that the banker was giving didn't seem to match up with the offers he was giving earlier in the game. The, some anomaly, something was happening. So I started watching the game show more, burnt my dinner, <laughs> and decided, all right, I got to test this. Uh, I got to test if this is what's truly happening. It seemed like um, in, in games where the contestant takes an offer early, but then plays out in the hypothetical just to, to draw out the game, draw out the drama, the, the offers change. Whatever formula the banker uses at the beginning of the game, he doesn't use at the end. He switches. And I just wanted to test it, and that's what this is about. The math behind it, the statistics behind it. Well, so then, if any dealer, no deal contestants listen to this, what is your suggestion for them? Oh, well, my suggestion is yeah, go with your gut and take whatever offer you feel is right, but if you keep playing and, and you see that you get bigger offers later on, don't feel bad. You probably wouldn't have gotten those offers in the first place. Those are fake. Oh, so, so you're saying they're cooking the show? Yes. After the games, after you take your money and run, they're, they're bumping up the numbers just to make it seem like you lost out on more. Don't take it the wrong way. You know, If you're a contestant, be happy with what you got, and don't believe that fake offer. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. Now that you know just a little bit more about Deal or No Deal, let's get back to the interview with Professor Arthur Benjamin. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, having gone to Carnegie Mellon for your undergrad. When you got to Carnegie Mellon, uh, did you know that you were going to start doing mathematics, or had you uh, applied there with a different idea? I, my, I'll, I'll tell you a story. I don't think I've told this to too many people. When I was... Um, uh, I, I did, when I graduated high school, I really thought it would be great to be, somehow be a professional magician. And um, in order to do that, one needed a good business sense. And my, my goal was actually to get an MBA. Um, and I felt that I, the reason I did a lot of birthday shows in Cleveland was because I was a good businessman and I had good ideas for promoting and all that. And, uh, and I looked at all the guides to getting into top-rated MBA programs, and the advice they gave, and I think this will be interesting to your readers, was what, to your listeners, was whatever you do, don't major in business. Because everyone, people who major in business think that they're majoring in getting a job, and that's, they panic, they all go to apply to, um, to, to business school, and you know, half of all the applicants to the MBA programs are business majors. So they say, if, better to, if you want to stand out from the crowd, then major in something that establishes you as a problem solver, something technical, engineering, physics, computer science, mathematics. And I said, wow, I like math. Math's my favorite subject. I didn't, but I didn't think I'd want to be, I, I didn't know I wanted to be a math major because I didn't, I didn't think I wanted to be a high school math teacher or an actuary, which was, I thought, the only things you could do with the math degree at the time. And, uh, but, but this said, you can, you can enjoy your math, be a math major, and then apply to business school. Uh, so I went to Carnegie Mellon, which had a 3-2 program in math and business, and um, never actually ended up taking a business course in my life. Um, and uh, along the way, I discovered certain mathematics that was very appealing using probability, statistics, something called operations research, which is the mathematics of doing things efficiently. 
and I, I realized I could get a master's degree in operations research which solves the same kind of problems that, that, a, that a very quantitative MBA person would do. I could still get those kinds of jobs and by, st by studying OR instead of business, um, I, th they'll pay me to go to school instead of the other way around. So I sort of set my sights at doing operations research. And in fact, that's what I did. I, got, um, I first started the PhD program in OR at Cornell, was there for a year, and then I transferred to Johns Hopkins University that had one of the first OR programs. Then it was called Mathematical Sciences. Now it's called Applied Math and Statistics. And uh, that's where I got my PhD, essentially in OR, not in mathematics. I took no graduate courses in mathematics. Um, all during that time, I discovered my real mathematical passion was discrete mathematics, combinatorics. I, maybe because it's so numbers oriented. How many ways could you do this? And um, and it had applications in games, and I've always loved playing games. Um, and so when I looked for jobs as a professor, I said, well, I love mathematics, I love numbers, I love combinatorics, and operations research, and that's what I, I did. Over the years, I've, I've drifted more from OR to pure combinatorics and number theory. Um, but I, and now I don't even remember what the original question was, so oh, I've just gone off matter. on tangents here. <laughs> um, but anyway, that's, that's my story. I didn't... I, I guess along the way, and so, but, and when did I drop the notion of get it becoming an MBA? Was I got a taste of teaching along the way, and and I just found it to be a lot of fun. Um, I mean, I was getting good re, uh, responses from from the classroom and from the students, and and the part of me said, "Gee, wouldn't you enjoy having a job where you did?" this all day? Wouldn't this be more fun than sitting at a desk even if you're you know, solving certain kinds of problems? And so, I mean, my ultimate goal in life was to find work that didn't feel like work. And getting up in front of a classroom and explaining things to people was my idea of fun. And I'm, I, I, I consider myself very fortunate that I spend 90% of my day doing pretty much what I want and what I enjoy. Eh, and not so crazy about grading exams and putting exams together and, and the occasional committee meetings, but, but basically I'm, I'm pretty much on my own and I like that. Um, uh, that's, that's my wish for all of, the, uh, all of the, your student listeners is that they ultimately find work that is not work, that they, that, that because I think if you, that's my definition of success. Somebody spends most of their time doing what they want. And one of the great things about studying mathematics is it opens a lot of doors. It gives you, um, uh, it, it establishes you as a problem solver. You can use that as a springboard to go from uh, you know, a, math, a bachelor's degree in math can lead to a master's or doctoral degree in just about anything. It could be business, it could be law school, it could be medical school. Math majors, I, under, I saw a statistic recently, have just one of the highest acceptance rates and, and graduate testing scores for all the professions because I think you get this training in thinking logically, rigorously. You're going to learn 
what medicine you need to know or, or, or law you need to know, business you need to know when you're in the graduate program. Uh, so I say study what you love and if that love happens to be mathematics, uh, do it. Uh, do you want me to do a little bit of mathematics for you? Do you oh, sure. Do you, have yeah. a, do you have a calculator with you? Uh, yeah, I, I have, have a phone. On? Okay, use your phone. Okay. Just have some fun here. So um, let's test out the calculator. Okay, so take a, uh, let's say, give, give me a two-digit number. Uh, about 45. And uh, let's say a three-digit number. Uh, 678. Okay, multiply those numbers together. You should get 30,510? Yes. Okay, good. Exactly correct. Um, so let me, um, I'll do something a little bit quicker. Uh, I'm very good at squaring numbers, <clears throat> numbers times themselves, and your calculator might even have a little squaring feature. Uh, if, if you press, say, 5 and hit times and then equals, you'll get 25 on the calculator. <clears throat> So give me, let's say, a three-digit number, and I will try and do it as quickly as you do on your calculator. Okay, 413. That would be 170,569. Yes. How about another one? Uh, 987. 974169. You actually did that one faster Thank than you. I did. Well, now, that's actually, now, it's an e that's an easy one to do, okay? It also happens to be one of the very few that might even be partially memorized because of 987. I mean, there are some numbers like 456, 123, that people call out to me lot, enough yeah. times, oh, you know, get this on the calendar, <laughs> five, 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 um, that, that, that some of the three-digit squares have become accidentally memorized. But I'll tell you how I did 987 squared, just for your listeners, um, and this illustrates the general process. So 987, it's much easier to multiply by 1,000. So we're going to go up 13 to 1,000. Whatever we go up, we have to go down. If I go up 13 to 1,000, I have to go down 13 to what? 987 minus 13 is 974. So I do 974 times 1,000, and you can tell me that. That's easy. No, don't know. Oh, calculate yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's 974 times 1,000. 974,000. And that's almost your answer. In fact, it's yep. the beginning of your answer. How does the answer end? We, it ends with the square of the number we went up and down. We went up and down 13. Do you happen to know the square of 13? Uh, it, I do. It's 169. Yes. Okay. So you add that. Nine, what's 974,000 plus 169? 974,169. So that's why I could say I could start to say the answer 974,000 as I'm reminding myself what 13 squared is. So that's why I was able to do it so fast, and that illustrates the general method of what I'm doing. Hey, well, thank you very much. No, my pleasure. <laughs> it's been it's been a real pleasure speaking to you. Okay, Sam. Nice nice to meet you. And that is all we have for another episode of Strongly Connected Components. If you want to find out more about Professor Benjamin, please head on over to acmescience.com where you can find the post with more information about this week's episode as well as all the previous posts, all the previous episodes, and combinations of permutations, the mostly irreverent and slightly informative mathematical talk show that I also host. If you want to leave any feedback for me, perhaps suggest a guest or tell me what I could be doing better, 
You could do that at by sending an email to Samuel at AcmeScience.com. Also, I really would love to have all of you head on over to the iTunes store and in the podcast section, search Strongly Connected Components and please leave us a review. It will really help us get noticed a lot more by people out there who are looking for interesting mathematical podcasting. Also, you know what? Why don't you tell your friends? I bet they like math too and they'd get a kick out of this. The music on today's episode is, as it always is, from Hard and Firm and SP12. You can find more about SP12 over at opsound.org. And this is a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike Licensed Podcast. Which means, make a remix. Make a bunch of copies. Pretty much, do whatever you want, as long as you say that it came from me, Samuel Hansen, and acmescience.com. I want to thank you all for listening. And come on back. The next few interviews are going to be great.